begin. Welcome to Mass Ave. We're here again bringing you conservative news, policy, and insights from the steps of Capitol Hill. I'm your host, Emily Vanderbush. And I'm Tommy Binion. Welcome to today's episode. We, as always, have an interesting show lined up for you all. Uh, first of all, looking in Afghanistan with Dr. Carifano. It was a great interview. Um, uh, I, I, again, um, yeah. We're bringing you uh, some of the most interesting perspectives from within the Heritage Foundation. Jim is um, has great relationships with folks in the White House and at the Pentagon, and has just a um, a really interesting spe- perspective on the president's announcement on Afghanistan, uh, which was made um, last Monday night, uh, and uh, on the heels of um, sort of a summit at Camp David with uh, with his generals and and uh, Vice President Pence and some others weighing in on that policy, and he made a definitive decision and announced it. So we've got Jim in here to analyze it for us. Uh, again, it, it was awesome. Yeah, and we're it happened to line up pretty well to talk about some of the news of the day. We were able to talk to him briefly about the response to Hurricane Harvey. Of course, we've all been watching the news on that. Tragic events unfolding. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. Um, the the pictures or the images on a TV screen really give you a sense of the scope of a disaster because we, we have hurricanes every summer. We have, you know, we have floods. Um, and it's hard to put them into perspective or, or, or say, you know, what is the scope of this one until you see these videos coming in uh, and, you know, six, seven, eight feet of water, um, just really devastating images. Um, all of us have um, friends and loved ones in that area. Um, all of us know, you know, who, who has been affected by this. And so... Um, this is one of those times as a nation where we're watching, praying, hoping, um, and uh, it, the, the images really put a fine point on that. Yeah, and I will also add it's um, been amazing to watch the people in Houston and you know some of the local rescuers and heroes who are going and getting boats and going and um, helping people off their roofs. It's 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 been great to see how how Houston responds in the face of these things. There's this great image of this soldier. He's in fatigue, so he's a soldier of, of, of some sort. I'm not sure if he's National Guard or, or what, but he's carrying a woman, uh, sort of, you know, uh, uh, not not a fireman's carry because she's sort of laid across his arms, and then she's holding her baby, and he's walking them um, through a flooded area. Uh, it, it's just one of those things that is is powerful and, and speaks to our character as Americans. I'm sure you all have seen that that picture by now. Um, it's one of the more powerful images from from this disaster. Yes, absolutely. Other news. Um how many more weeks does Congress have in recess? One. This is one. it. They're, this they're is coming the last back one. on Tuesday. Um, signs of activity over there on the Hill on the okay. Rules Committee website. If you navigate it over there, you would find that the House is going to consider um, uh, a CR next week. Not a CR. I'm sorry. Eight appropriations bills. They did four before they left for August recess. They're going to do eight more, all in one foul swoop next week. And the Rules Committee is faced with nine hundred filed amendments at this point to that bill. Wow. Uh, that is huge, folks. 900 amendments. Uh, that That's a lot to go through. That not, not all of those will get a debate or a vote on the floor, uh, but they'll have their day. Uh, the Rules Committee will decide which amendments are going to get a vote. I'm not sure how many it will be. Um, 
Certainly, the Democrats are looking to to poison the process and add poison pills that make it harder to pass the bill. But uh, even at that, uh, 900 amendments shows you that uh, members want to have an impact. You know, this is let's just remind ourselves: Republicans are in control of the House; mm-hmm. they're in control of the Senate. There's a Republican in the White House. This is a fleeting opportunity uh, to to enact some of these conservative ideas that we've had for. Um, you know, eight years, almost a decade without a, a chance to enact them. So there's a lot of interest in this appropriations process. The speaker said, unfortunately, the speaker said last week, we'll probably have a, a short-term stopgap measure, maybe even several months while we get mm-hmm. this uh, this bill worked out. But, uh, you know, I, I, looking at Capitol Hill, which we can because we are steps from Capitol Hill over here yeah. on Mass Ave, uh, it, it looked like a sleepy place over the last month. But apparently they were they were cooking up 900 amendments. So that's interesting. They've got a huge agenda for September. Yeah. Um, this appropriations bill that we've been talking about, they've got the debt ceiling. They've got the FAA, which is the Federal Aviation Administration, uh, to reauthorize by the end of September. They've got to reauthorize the Children's Health Insurance Program um, by the end of September. And uh, strangely, uh, as it relates to Houston, they've got to reauthorize the National Flood Insurance Program. They'll also um, almost definitely, actually definitely be an emergency spending package uh, for disaster relief in in, in Texas. Um, It could be huge. So that could be a a major debate on Capitol Hill. Um, I can't remember a month that had an agenda quite this big. Uh, and I haven't even mentioned Obamacare repeal, and I mm-hmm. haven't even mentioned tax reform, um, which, by the way, the president's going to go to Texas on Tuesday. He's going to go to Missouri on Wednesday right. uh, to talk about tax reform. So uh, w- th- that debate is going to be heating up as well. Yeah, uh, we'll be sure to bring you experts on all of those issues as they continue to pop up in September. And after that, for context, how many weeks does Congress actually have before the end of the year to get stuff done? Uh, well, so a lot of these deadlines are at the end of the fiscal year, okay. September 30th. Okay. Um, they're only in session for three weeks uh, between now and then. And I hate to pick on Congress because they're such an easy target. But when I say weeks, I mean Monday Monday night through Thursday morning. So they um, they don't work weeks like the rest of us, whether it's right. Monday morning through Friday night or or, or seven days a week, as, as, as some folks work. They, they, uh, they fly in, they have a vote on Monday night. Uh, they, they work Tuesday and Wednesday, and then generally they fly out Thursday morning. Uh, so they have, they have three of those. I don't know if you call right. that a week or uh, I, I don't know what else you would call it. Um, but uh, they have three of those. All right. Well, countdown's on. For the record, um, as we were discussing which news of the day to bring you on this uh, lovely podcast, uh, we had a debate in the production room. Should we talk about Taylor Swift's new single, uh, look what you made me do. Emily, do you have a perspective on that? I did not love it. She didn't love it. So if you want more music commentary from Tommy and Emily, uh, <laughs> let us know. But for now, we'll just say we didn't love we'll it. We'll stick to policy. Today joining us, we have Dr. Jim Carafano from the Heritage Foundation. He is the vice president for the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy and also the E.W. Richardson Fellow. Uh, He is Heritage's leading expert in national security and foreign policy challenges, homeland security, terrorism, cybersecurity, defense, missile defense, you name it, Jim Carafano can talk about it. Um, So we are pleased to have him here to talk about President Trump's recent announcement of his new Afghanistan strategy. 
Jim, welcome to Mass Ave. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're excited to have you on today to discuss Afghanistan. Um, obviously, Afghanistan has been in the news a lot since President Trump announced his new strategy last Monday. I think probably one of the first things people are asking is how is his approach different to Obama's? Well, I think the first thing you have to step back and realize is that this is not the Afghanistan of 2001 mm -hmm. and it's not the Afghanistan of 2011. And when people say, well, we've been fighting this war for 16 years, that's an interesting thing, but it's meaningless, right? It's like there've been 16 seasons in the NFL, right? That they don't always come out the same way every year. There's reasons for that, right? It's 2001, we're actually invading an enemy country and expelling them out. Um, and, and then what happened is, is then we started a war in Iraq and we really didn't have enough forces to, to focus equally well in both places. And as you remember, the, there was a tremendous insurgency in Iraq and, and we really had to shift a lot of attention there. And so basically what we did was tread water in Afghanistan and the bad guys came back. And that was the situation when President um, Obama came into office. And uh, although he wanted to withdraw immediately from Iraq, he, he did say he wasn't going to withdraw immediately from from Afghanistan, but there was no option other than putting more troops in there to fight the war in Afghanistan because there there was no other choice. There was no other way to do that, right? So we did what was called a surge. Now people probably don't remember that what the military said they needed. Obama gave them half the troops and half the time that they said they needed to to successfully stabilize the country. So not surprising at the end of the surge uh, in Afghanistan. The, the country still had a lot of threats. But now, in fairness to Obama, he didn't abandon them, them entirely. What we did is we built up the Afghan army so that they could f fight the war for themselves. And we, we did have an Afghan army that's over 300,000 people. But here's the, the, the mistake or, or the, the, the flaw in Obama's st strategy was he was still determined to say, I ended the war and to get U.S. troops out. So he kept crushing down the number of U.S. support troops. And what we didn't do is we didn't leave enough forces in place to do what's called the train and assist mission, which is the Afghans can fight, but if they take really high casualties, then, then they can't sustain and hold ground over time. And that's the problem is we didn't build an Afghan military that could sustain over time. And that is particularly important in three areas. One is things like close air support, fire support that enable you to you know kill the enemy at firepower so you're not losing troops. Um, logistical support, so people are getting fed, they're getting their paychecks. Medical support, so casualties are getting evacuated. And so one very important difference that he made, which is, you know, people say, yeah, it's still a war, but it's not really our war anymore. The Afghans are fighting this war. And what the president did was, is allow the military to adjust the train and assist mission so the Afghans can fight over time and they can hold the terrain away from the Taliban uh, rather than just kind of fighting it and losing it and then fighting to get it back. And what that will allow the country to do is is be stable over time. And that achieves an important goal of the U.S., which is an Afghanistan that is both stable and not a platform from transnational terrorism. So that's one very important difference. I thought the rollout was uh, really impressive this time around. You know, the, the president gathers um, the stakeholders at Camp David. They, they make a sincere and thoughtful decision. And then he goes on uh, national TV at prime time Monday night. Uh, and lays out a strategy that we can all understand, that makes sense to everybody. He speaks directly to the nation. Um, I, I thought that that was very presidential. I thought it was a great 
especially um, given that almost nobody understands what you just laid out, which is that this hasn't been a 16-year war, that it's changed very dramatically. Our, our mission has changed. What did you think about that rollout? Well, so when I listen to the speech, I, I look at it from a national security perspective, right? I 25 years in the military. I've been in Heritage 15 years. Literally, national security is all I've done my entire adult life. And so I, I, I parse it the way, uh, the way a national security expert would, too. So it would start as, what are you doing? Why are you there, right? And he did have a good statement of what are the U.S. interests that are at stake. One is we want to stable Afghanistan, so it's not a source of instability in the region. Uh, remember, you have India, Pakistan, two nuclear armed powers. Instability is bad. India is an important strategic partner for the United States. So there's lots of reasons, actually far more than there were when we went in, in 2001, or even when Obama made his decisions in 2011, that the stability of South Asia is important to us. And the most important contribution we can make to that is keeping Afghanistan whole and not flying apart. So that's important. The other one is obvious, which is we don't want this country to be a platform for transnational terrorism like it was on 9-11. And he cited the example of, look what happened in Iraq. You know, Obama ran away and without ensuring the stability of that country, and we wind up with a bigger problem from terrorists than we had before, pointing out that there are more terrorist groups uh, that we watch in, that, in, in South Asia and any other part of the world. So he laid out the goals, and then there, what are the ends, ways, and means, right? What are the, how are you going to do that, and what are you going to do it with? So he talked about the military strategy. Um, he also talked about the diplomatic strategy, that putting pressure on Pakistan— so they're not providing safe havens for these yahoos. He talked about engaging India, which is an important partner in this. Um, he also talked about what, we, what are we looking for the Afghan government? We're looking for them to be a credible partner. It doesn't have to be the world's most perfect democracy. It doesn't have to be a land of milk, milk and honey. We're not going to rebuild their country for them, but we are going to support them. And their contribution to that is they fight the war and they provide a government that's inclusive and credible. Um, so so they ensure the stability of their own country. So, And then he put it in a regional context, and he talked about why it's important to America's uh, – how it fits in with America's broadened policy. So if I was at the Army War College and I was, you know, great in the speech, you know, I had to give it an A-plus because all the elements of a credible strategy, something that is suitable, that will do the objective, that will actually work, and that the American people will support, all of those elements were there. And if you listen carefully to all of the pre president's critics, it was all a combination of, let, let me find something to criticize because we can't agree with this president. It wasn't, none of them were actually be, based on a kind of a, a a critique that there's something missing in this in this strategy because to be honest there really wasn't and and I think in fairness what a lot what we had you know a lot of people don't which is we talked to a lot of people in the White House and and we got briefed on a lot of things not classified things but the the depth to a lot of the particulars of what they're going to do like what does it really mean to be tough with Pakistan so I can tell you that the what's behind that speech is a very 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 bold and very aggressive plan. And, and I think it, it, it's, it really demonstrates that you can say what you want about this administration, but these guys can make decisions and, they, and put together pretty solid plans. Yeah, I, I, um, I tend to agree. It, it, that, that was the impression I got, not as a national security expert, but that we, we're, we're listening to something that's thoughtful and comprehensive and something we can get behind as Americans. 
Um, like a lyric in a song, that line that he said, we are not nation building, we are killing terrorists, has right. gotten stuck in my head over the yeah. last week. Uh, well, you know, I, to be honest, if you look at history, and you know, I have a, my, my degrees in history, there are actually no good examples of nation building. Nobody builds nations. Nations rebuild themselves. Who, who built Germany rebuilt Germany. Japan rebuilt Japan. Yeah, we help with the Marshall Plan. Yeah, we help with NATO and all that stuff. But in the end, people take responsibilities for some and they build the kind of country they want and they deserve. So what the president said was not an abandonment of the Afghans. It was actually the opposite. It was the empowerment of the Afghans saying they will choose their own future. We will help them. And why are we helping them? Because it's in our in our national interest to do that. Because we are killing terrorists. That's right. Because we are putting America first. Absolutely. Uh, and talking about the diplomatic side that you already touched on, um, how do you think Pakistan will respond to this added pressure? Well, you know, I, Pakistan has limited choices. Uh-huh. Um, they can go it alone, which means that they're doomed to the ash bin of history because India will outpace them in growth and productivity and they will dwarf Pakistan. They can, they can align with the Chinese uh, which basically means that they will become a vassal state of the Chinese like North Korea. Or they can seize their future, change their foreign policy, um, purge the elements of the military that are committed to using terrorism and instrument foreign policy, and they can legitimately partner with the United States and India in the future of South Asia. That's the stark choice that they face. Um, I actually predict that in the end, that's where Pakistan will go. Um, and that I, I predict that even in the end, the military will shift away from that strategy because it's not like the terrorists are their friends. We have enormous ex- – and, and it's not like Pakistan's not fighting terrorists because they are. I mean we have lots of examples where these yahoos have turned right around and tried to kill Pakistani government officials and even military people. But there are people in Pakistan who have made a fortune out of this. Many of them are retired ISI, which is their intelligence service, a retired military, and they basically have been the covert brokers between the terrorist groups and the government. So there's kind of plausible deniability. Those people have made a fortune. Those people have to be purged or or stopped. Um, and this administration actually, I think, has some pretty thoughtful plans. You know, people say, well, you know, the Obama guys said that and the Bush guys said that, but they're going to do things to the Pakistanis that nobody's done before. And and having worked with the Pakistanis uh, over the years and and been to Islamabad and and talked to these folks, this is going to get their attention. Um, You know, you mentioned President Obama's troop surge in Afghanistan. Um, One of the major flaws was that was that it was time limited. Right. Uh, I think it was 18 months. Um, and so the, the critique of publicly stating our time frame was that the Taliban would just wait us out. Is that what happened looking back? And then how is this strategy? It's, it's contingent on um, specific markers rather than a, a, a timetable. Yeah. So here's one way that Trump has already helped himself is he just said is we're not walking away. The Taliban, ISIS, Al-Qaeda. Iran, Pakistan, Russia, all of them had built policies predicated on the belief that America would just get tired and walk away and they could all make Afghanistan their own devil's playground. They've all been put back on their feet. So we've he has already reset the strategic calculus of everybody in the region. And remember, um, this is not a surge, right? So we're not adding more troops to fight a war. This is a train and assist mission. Sure, we'll take casualties, but... Um, we're in, but but honestly, and the, 
an American soldier fighting in Afghanistan probably safer than the average European walking down a major city in in Europe, mm. where because the terrorist threat in Europe has exploded exponentially. Those people are innocent bystanders. Our guys, a, are not purposefully going in harm way, and b, they've got they're protected and 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 and, uh, and they've got armor and stuff. So. Uh, I think what we're doing is sustainable over time. And if you just want to run the cold numbers, do it this way. We've probably spent about $700 billion in Afghanistan. Arguably not very efficiently, but but whatever. Um, we probably lost about 200,000 service members, which is a tragic number and a, and a horrible loss for every family. Not 200,000. No, 2,000. 2,000. 2, 2, so $700 billion in about, in about 2,000 lives. Um, 9-11, one day, um, about 3,000 people killed, cost the American economy one day about $400 billion, right? So 16 years of preventing the next 9-11 out of Afghanistan, I, I'd argue that's, that's, not a bad, that's not a bad trade-off. And, and we're not going to spend $700 billion going forward. I mean, it, and we can spend more efficiently, use our forces more efficiently, keep the casualties down. You know, how long are we going to be in there? I, I have no idea. But again, what is our purpose? Obama's purpose was to leave. I mean, let's remember that. The president of the United States, the commander in chief, his goal was to leave. That was his strategic goal. That was the, that was the purpose of why we were there, to leave. Trump's purpose is twofold, not a source of regional instability, not a platform for transnational terrorists. Every day we do that at, at, with a responsible investment from the United States, that's a victory. So, and I think you've pretty much touched on this, but why should Americans still care about staying in Afghanistan? Is there a bigger picture that we should be looking at? Yeah, we should care because we care about us, yeah. right? You know, we should, this, you know, this notion of um, like, don't be hyperbolic, like don't, we're going to be murdered in our beds. Well, you know, we, had, we lost 3,000 people in one day. They weren't murdered in their bed, they were murdered at work. But, but you kind of get the point is, it's true that, uh, just because you're done with the enemy doesn't mean the enemy is done with you. And, and you know, sometimes you hear these kind of idiots go, well, if we just wouldn't attack them, they'd leave us alone. Well, if that were true, 9-11 would have never happened. America never went looking for a fight with Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda took the fight to us. And if you actually read what Al-Qaeda and ISIS say, if you actually look at the philosophy and the teachings of the Muslim Brotherhood, they tell you, that they are coming to kill us. And they bank on us just getting tired and walk away. One of the most famous bin Laden fatwas was a statement that he wrote to the faithful. And he said, look, he said, we, we killed them in Lebanon and the Americans ran away. You know, we killed them. He's talking about the Russians in Afghanistan and they ran away. Uh, we killed them in Somalia, talking about Black Hawk Down and the Americans ran away. He said, America is a paper tiger. If we poke them, they will fold. And so what they want is us to retreat. And I'm not saying be foolish. I'm not saying rush in a harm's way. But if we don't go out and defend ourselves, then then that's like putting out a big poster that says, kill me. Jim, um, you're also an expert in Homeland Security. Is it okay if I ask you about um, the president's administration's uh, handling so far of, of Hurricane Harvey, which which has been uh, splashed all over our TV screens and is, and is on the uh, the top of all of our minds this week. Yeah. So actually, my, my first job at Heritage, like 15 years ago, is I was 
um, hired as a homeland security analyst. And um, some of the stuff I'll never remember is like working on Hurricane Katrina <clears throat> going down to New Orleans in the aftermath and and to the aftermath of the oil spill and, and, and a lot of other um, disasters. So, um, so far, the disaster response is is folding out exactly the way it's supposed to by the tech book. I mean, disasters are really local and state responsibilities. And then the federal government falls back in and provides the support of the nation that the local and state officials can't. So it was very, very clear. If you have a storm of this magnitude <clears throat> hitting that part of Texas, Texas, where you have a lot of infrastructure, huge population, very flat area, there's going to be a lot of destruction. Um, there's going to be a lot of flooding. And it's a disaster that's going to stretch out over not just hours, but days and weeks. And that the federal government has to be um, a solid partner. Everything from search and rescue by the U.S. Coast Guard to support from FEMA to support from the National Guard and, and the U.S. military. Um, the president is the quarterback for that effort. Um, most of the play calling actually gets done by the director of FEMA, which we do have. Uh, it's a, one of the federal appointments that has been made. There is a career uh, disaster response professional in that job uh, with an experienced staff um, supported by a government that that knows and understands that mission. Um, Republican, Democrat aside, you know, we learned a lot of lessons from Katrina um, that Republicans and Democrats have applied. So right now, I would say um, the response is going at, um, according to the book, but this is this is going to be a big disaster that's going to linger for a long um, time. There's a lot of damage and destruction there, and, and the and the people of Texas are going to need our love and prayers, and the and the continued engagement to to recover from that. But I feel pretty good about that. We have another storm coming in North Carolina. Um, um, my guess is, uh, fortunately, the way our disaster response system is, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. So uh, they'll be prepping and uh, and they'll handle that in the same um, professional way, I guess. Well, thanks very much for coming on to Mass Ave. We It's great to see you. Great to uh, get your perspective on Afghanistan. I really enjoyed the interview. All right. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. It was great to like have mass, mass discussion on Mass Ave. Mass <laughs> on mass. Mass. Mass on mass. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Another great interview. Um, again, I, I am just so impressed and fascinated by the perspectives that exist here at the Heritage Foundation. When you dig in, when you get to know these people, when you um, you know can sort of ask them questions like Emily and I have the privilege of doing each week, uh, you're just amazed at their their scope and breadth of knowledge. Um, Jim Carafano is one of the most impressive people in Washington D.C., and you could you could hear it there. His knowledge. Um, and, and frankly, his passion for national security was on display. So an another great interview. If you're looking for conservative policy, policy solutions to current issues, sign up for Heritage's weekly newsletter, The Agenda. Every Tuesday, The Agenda will catch you up on the issues Heritage scholars are working on, explain conservative positions, and provide our in-depth analysis on some of the issues that are trending. Um, don't miss out. Sign up for The Agenda today. Thanks for listening to Mass Ave. Uh, remember to subscribe to Mass Ave on iTunes. It'll let you know when we have a new episode. Uh, would love to have your prescription, uh, your subscription there. Uh, you can keep your prescriptions to yourself. Uh, check us out on Facebook at Mass Ave Podcast. And remember to follow the Heritage Foundation to keep up with the latest conservative news, policy, and insight from the steps of Capitol Hill. 
Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week. Thoughts and prayers uh, to the, the, the folks in the path of devastation uh, in Texas. <laughs>